be curious. Curiosity is the foundation of success. When you're curious, you assume positive intent more, understanding where people are coming from helps you to ask the right questions. 20 years in, I still feel that I need to be a student of marketing, a student of leadership, a student of business, and absolutely a student of healthcare, an industry that is completely changing every single day. Great companies are all about the people. Good people become great leaders, mentors for work and life. Welcome to Learnings from Leaders, the P&G Alumni Podcast. I'm Raman Segel, Recovering Marketer. And I'm Ida Abdalkani, a Chief Catalyzer. Raman and I both got our start at P&G, the Procter & Gamble company, where we had the opportunity to work with some amazing people. And as you may know, many leaders across industries got their start at P&G. In this series, through conversations with fellow P&G alums, we hope to go deeper with the leaders you already know but want to know more about. It's kind of like bringing a microphone to a cup of coffee. On today's show, we're talking to P&G alumni leader, Vahe Avazian, Divisional Vice President of Marketing and Core Diagnostics at Abbott. Vahe started his career at P&G after interning with the company. Though the internship proved to be a humbling experience, he learned, adapted, and persevered, going on to spend 12 years in marketing and category management at Procter & Gamble. In his last role at P&G, he was the Senior Brand Manager for North American Pantene, where he turned around a decade of decline on the brand through simple innovation and retailer understanding. Vahe then decided to turn to healthcare, having grown up with the influence of healthcare in his family through his father's medical career. He joined Abbott as the Director of Marketing for the U.S. Core Diagnostics business and now serves as the Divisional VP of Marketing for Core Diagnostics with Global Responsibilities. Through his early years in sports that greatly shaped his team player attitude to the mentors at P&G that believed in him and demonstrated the importance of listening and being curious, Vahe pays the leadership learning and mentorship forward on the global teams he now leads. What I love about our conversation is Vahe's calm approach and thoughtful nature to leadership. From his humbling experience as an intern at P&G to his learnings to never take anything for granted and to always listen. Vahe shares examples of his decision-making and leadership in running to something versus running from something. Vahe is a great example of what leadership looks like when we remain curious and assume positive intent. So let's dive in. We hope you will enjoy our conversation with Vahe Avazian. Vahe, welcome to the podcast. It's really great to have you here. Incredibly excited to be here as well. Thank you. Well, Vahe, many already know your professional story, but first, who were you before the beginning of your career journey? It's interesting. As I reflect back, I really don't, it's not about one specific moment, but it really was ultimately the story of my parents that really helped to define who I am today. Uh, you know, my parents, uh, my, my mom was uh, born in Aleppo, Syria, my dad in Beirut, Lebanon. And throughout their different schoolings that they had, uh, my father was about to come to the United States for the first time um, after to start essentially his uh, medical practice. And my parents didn't know each other. Uh, and they met actually through my mom's high school uh, principal in Beirut, Lebanon, two weeks before my dad was going to be coming to the States. Uh, my mom spoke a number of different languages, 
Armenian, French, Turkish, and Arabic, but didn't know a single word of English. But, uh, and my dad said, hey, I'm going to St. Louis, Missouri in two weeks. And essentially my mom, they, they, they met, they fell in love. And they actually got married in 1967, which was right when the Six-Day War was happening. And so they came to America with essentially two suitcases and their entire lives ahead of them. And I, and I look back and I reflect on that with them now having three children and having five grandchildren, essentially having lived the American dream. And as I look back, I'm very proud of my heritage of being Armenian, but I'd also say that I'm fiercely and very proudly an American citizen as a first generation uh, American from that standpoint. And for me, it's really all about anything is possible. And when I think about my aspirations for myself, my family, I really looked at where my, what my parents did and saying that they really wanted to go and to live, um, you know, live their best lives and to live the American dream. And I really, when I think about that, not just for myself, but for the people who work for me, whatever their dreams are, I want to enable that to happen. The same thing for the people in our community with the educational board that I'm on. I'm a firm believer in having those dreams and enabling those things to happen. Fahey, it's interesting. Um, we have a little bit of a similar background in the sense that, you know, both of our families immigrated to the U.S. and also I think the Middle Eastern background that we share. So it really resonated as you were talking about this idea of having that dual identity, right? Being proud of both of those cultures and identities and the idea that anything is possible. As you reflect back on your childhood and growing up, how did you discover what you were good at along the way? Especially, I think, balancing, right, those dual identities. At least I know from my perspective, that was something, as I reflect back, that was a challenge for me growing up, but became a bit of a superpower when I entered my own career. So I was wondering, you know, how did you discover what you were good at along the way? Yeah, it's a great question. When I think about looking back on my childhood, it really was one where my parents definitely pushed me for excellence, but I'd also say that was innately within myself as well. And I played a lot of sports growing up. And I do think that for me, there was that competitive spirit, but also that sportsmanship of building teams around me that I think for me was always something that I enjoyed to do. I played a couple of individual sports, but I didn't like them nearly as much as team sports. And there, there was just something about the team camaraderie. I, I happened to be uh, the, the captain of our uh, of varsity football and baseball teams. So it was just those sorts of moments when I, when I realized that being a part of a team and being part of something bigger uh, was something that was important to me, something that was fun, and was just a natural moment uh, for me from a leadership standpoint as well. Well, that is certainly, I think, part of the American dream, right? You were playing, you were captain of your high school football team. It was fun. <laughs> I, I look back on my, um, you know, youth and think about the memories and still the friendships that we had that I have to this day, uh, and a lot of them were rooted, you know, within my um, the sports that we played um, throughout my life. Yeah. Well, you you mentioned this idea of how you preferred the team sports versus the individual sports, right? This idea of building teams around you. So then how did that influence what you then pursued in college and then later in your career? It's interesting because at first, 
I was thinking, I knew I wanted to go into business. When I went to college, it, you know, it was in the Kelly School. I knew that that at Indiana University, that was where my passion was. But at first, I actually thought that the management consulting side of things was uh, the route that I wanted to potentially go on. But it was actually from meeting some of the uh, different people uh, you know, within that industry and talking to my professors, uh, particularly my junior year, where I specifically asked all my junior year professors, I said, this is the job I want. Does this job exist? And I was essentially describing to them how I liked the balance of the finance classes I was taking, the marketing classes, strategy, and even the operations classes we were taking. Because at this point, we hadn't necessarily needed to declare a a specific major. And it was not only all those pieces, but the connection points of wanting to, to be a part of a team and really going and building something, not just for the short term, but something tangibly to see through in the mid and the long term. And every single one of those professors said, you're describing brand management. I said, okay, well, where should I try to go work from there? And they said, Procter & Gamble. I said, okay, well, what should my major be? And they said, you you could really be anything, but your best bet is to be in marketing from that standpoint. And I had previously put finance and accounting as my double major. And it was actually one of those moments that I really reflect on a junior year that I made a somewhat bold decision just to say, you know what, that's not the major I want to take anymore. I'm going to go into marketing and I want to try to go into brand management, specifically try uh, to get an internship at Procter & Gamble. Uh, And I was able to slip through the cracks. I I think there's always a bit of luck in every single uh, career story where uh, my year that I was interning was one of the first years that P&G was starting to take some interns that were from from the undergraduate business school. And my sophomore summer, I had happened to have a pretty unique uh, internship and work experience at a bank in St. Louis that I was able to speak to and some other things and was able to slip through the cracks and get an internship on uh, the Metamucil business uh, at P&G. Wow, it's so interesting to hear about your story. We have um, some similarities in that I also was thinking about consulting. I actually even interviewed with McKinsey um, when I was an undergrad and then found that I really wanted to pursue more of a, you know, strategy background as it related to marketing. So I was told, uh, not by my college professors, but by some mentors that if that's what you want, you should actually look at this thing called brand management. And I had no idea what it was at the time. And then, hey, if you're going to do brand management, Procter & Gamble, right? They invented brand management. That's the place to go and ended up going there for an internship as well. Um, And as you know, that's where P&G predominantly gets a lot of their new hires, right? It's like a three-month interview process, (laughs) the internship. And so then tell me a little bit about, I know uh, your background, you know, your 12 years at P&G and where you started, but how about we go through a little bit of, you know, as you started your career, um, how did that team building that you mentioned from your childhood and the idea of preferring those team sports versus individual sports, how did that come into fruition and did that help you or was that a challenge at all as you started your career at PNG? I think for me, that was one of those natural aspects and translations from my you know, early days directly into work, which reinforced why I wanted to go into brand management and really be a part of more of a team sport that I like to call it from that standpoint. And so whether it was the early days of being an assistant brand manager or some of the days uh, a little later on as a senior brand manager, 
internal teams, whether they be those cross-functional aspects or also those multi-agency teams. What I loved about brand management was being the glue. You had so many different perspectives, whether it be from finance, from R&D, from legal and regulatory, whatever it may be, all the way down to thinking about what to do from uh, you know the public affairs plan within an initiative to the in-store plan. I just always loved connecting the dots and always loved being the glue behind all of those unique different perspectives and expertises that were brought forward. And so for me, I really look back at you know, over 20 years now in brand management and marketing in general as a reinforcement that I made the right decision because I just love thinking about what I do every single day as a team sport. I love that. And as you started your career, I think a lot of times we reflect back and we have these defining moments, right? We might not have known it at the time, but as our careers progress, we find that there were these early moments that really shaped the trajectory of our career path. Did you experience anything like that with your first job or first employer, let's say, with your time at Procter & Gamble? Sure. I wouldn't even say it was early in my career. I would say it was right at the beginning of it. Uh, And it was when I was an intern. And specifically, I'll never forget being in the healthcare business unit. There were 12 interns within our group in in healthcare. Of those 12, eight of them were MBAs. And there were four undergrads. And I believe the four undergrads were even from Duke and Harvard and maybe Michigan. So when I reflected at the very, very beginning of my internship, I looked and said, okay, on paper, I might actually be the least qualified person, you know, within our business unit to be here. And that was a a humbling thing, but something that I knew that I was going to, you know, work that much harder at, you know, to ensure that I could prove myself. And I think as I was going through really wanting to prove myself, I realized something that I was uh, doing. Actually, I should say, I didn't realize it. My coach uh, at the time realized it, Kevin Steely, that in some respects, I might have been trying too hard to jump to conclusions a little bit too fast with some of the uh, projects that I was going off and working on. I wasn't maybe peeling the onion back the, uh, you know, the second and the third and the fourth layers we learned so quickly as assistant brand managers at P&G. And at my midterm review, as an intern, I actually was coded officially as not yet meeting expectations. And that was really humbling, again, for me, right at the very, very beginning of my career to say, hey, this was something that I needed to go off and to improve on. And I remember sitting with Kevin, and he looked directly me directly in the eye. He said, I believe in you, but we got some work to do. And he's very specifically outlined some things that he wanted to make sure to see in the second half of my time, uh, you know, at, at, during my internship. And I still look back at that and, and was surprised at how calm and cool I was over those next six, seven weeks and said, okay, I heard very clearly what I needed to go off and do to improve. And I said, well, that's what we're going to go off and do. We're going to work to go off and to get better. And at the end of my internship, not only was I meeting expectations, I was actually exceeding them. And I give a lot of that credit to Kevin because he was very clear and he was very consistent about the things that I needed to do to go off and to improve. And a couple of big lessons that I take to this day with that is, first and foremost, to never take anything for granted. Second, to always listen. 
that's actually something to this day that I still see a lot of people as they move forward, not always listening to the feedback. You might hear it, but are they truly listening to it, embracing it, and seeing how they can improve? And last, and certainly not least for me, it's about the spirit of continuous improvement. I've always wanted to get better at every single thing I was doing. And even within that internship, I said, I'm going to get better every single day throughout that internship so I can prove to myself and prove to the company that I, that I belong to be here. And that's something that as I sit as a divisional vice president at Abbott, I'm sitting every single day saying, how can I get better tomorrow in what I'm doing with the constantly evolving landscape that I'm dealing with in healthcare right now? Yeah, I love those three lessons. I mean, never take anything for granted, I think is a great one, not only for career, but personal as well, right? Um, and, and all of them really, and to always listen and to really strive for that continuous improvement. You know, since that happened so early in your career with that internship, as you went along, you mentioned, you know, Kevin, your manager, how he said, I believe in you. And it sounds like that was quite impactful for you, right? A combination of your own perseverance, right? And wanting to turn things around and that continuous improvement. But also it sounds like part of that was in part his confidence in you, right? And his coaching and saying that he believed in you. How have you gone about mentoring others now that you're in a position to be able to do that? For me, I really look at mentorship as the number one responsibility that I have right now. And it's something that I take very, very seriously because whether it was Kevin as my first coach as a, uh, you know, intern at PNG, when I look back at even a Scott Mounts, who is my first manager at PNG and the countless other managers that I have had throughout my career, both at PNG and at Abbott. Each of them have shaped me in profound ways. And so I, I really see at this point in my career, mentoring individuals, mentoring teams as my number one responsibility and something that is really important that I, again, also taking one of those lessons that I was just mentioning, listening to the individual. I really try not to shape people into the career path that I took. I really try to understand the intersection of both personally and professionally, what each of those individuals are looking to do, or even what those teams are trying to go off and to do so I can coach them at that moment and mentor them at that moment for where they need to be. And I also acknowledge to them that this is only a point in time because whether it's uh, before having being in a relationship, whether it's before having children, Whatever it may be in your life, there can be things that can change uh, your the trajectory that you personally want to be on with your career that are always important to go off and to look at. So it is anything but linear. Uh, the John Lennon quote of life's what happens to you when you're making other plans, something I always try to remind myself and remind uh, the people that I'm mentoring as well. And Vahe, you mentioned someone that I know as well, Scott Mouse. Do you stay in touch with him? I do. Uh, he, he's a wonderful individual. And, I, and I'll say that I look back on that first team as a new hire that I was on. And I continue to be so impressed by how Scott did not. He, he was he was a master head coach, if you will. Again, I'll continue to use some sports analogies from our previous conversation, where it wasn't about getting the best out of just the individual. It, it really was about getting the best of the team. And he created a culture of excellence. He created a culture of energy where after every one-on-one -on -one I left, 
regardless if I was getting feedback to improve or feedback on what to go do, I left excited, motivated, and fired up to go off and to do it. And any team meeting we had, any team engagement we had, he made us connect as a team in an incredibly powerful and natural way that I do think our, our team was very special then uh, as I was uh, coming on to PNG, but he really helped to foster that that team to doing some, you know, some incredible things on Rival side. And he's just a funny guy. <laughs> I mean, that that man would crack up any audience, any room, any number of people. He just made work fun. He he really did. He was he was a uh, he was a very very funny man. Now he he probably thinks he's funnier than he actually is. <laughs> he's a great guy. He's a a wonderful leader, wonderful mentor, and uh, and and he was also great. And, you know, with with the work that he's doing now, just making sure that you realize what you're doing every single day matters, and that at the core is what great leadership is all about. Absolutely, yeah, and it's it's been awesome to watch his journey and. I think he's really leaning into making sure, just like all the advice he's given all of us as we are going through PNG, uh, making sure he lives that out himself, right? And and exemplifies that, which is living to your passions and leaning into your truth. Bahe, one of the things that I think is always interesting in our conversations um, as we talk to people about their career journey are inflection points. You know, a lot of times in our lives, we have these inflection points where it's a fork in the road and where one decision sets us on a very different path, right, than if we take the other fork in the road. Did you ever experience that in your career? And if so, what was that other path? You know, how might that alternate path have made a difference in your in your journey? For me, this was one of, you know, outside of joining Procter & Gamble, I think for me, the the next big fork in the road was where to think about the next chapter of my professional career. And it was one where I, I loved PNG and still to this day love PNG. I'm so incredibly proud to have started my career there, to be a part of this alumni network. I met my wife uh, at, at Procter and Gamble as well. So and my sister used to work there, brother-in-law still does. And so it, it is in our blood from that standpoint. So my, my loyalty is uh, it r- runs very deep to P and G. But as I was uh, at the end of my time at P and G as, as a senior brain manager on the quote unquote list, right to be going, um, you know, to becoming an associate director at P and G and assessing options uh, for, for what those potential roles could look like, was something that I was personally reflecting on, and, and one with uh, my wife as well about what I wanted to do professionally and also what we wanted to do personally as well. And for me, as I mentioned earlier, uh, my father was a burn surgeon. And so healthcare was literally and figuratively something that was in my blood. And when I think back about some of the stories I heard uh, as a child uh, about the impact that he was literally making to save people's lives um, and to improve people's lives uh, every single day, I wanted to carry on that legacy as well. And for me, I, I was incredibly passionate about the brands I worked on. I actually really, really enjoyed being in beauty care and specifically in hair care for a lot of my career. But when I took a step back, I did actually realize I was probably convincing myself I was more passionate about the beauty care industry than I actually was. 
And that's not to diminish it because it is a powerfully emotional thing for so many people. And I got really, really into um, that industry. It's a, it's a wonderful one. It's fun, high energy, high impact. But when I thought about where, where I wanted to focus more of my career as P&G was in many ways actually getting out of a lot of healthcare brands at that point, I realized that healthcare was where I wanted to focus the next chapter of my career. As my wife and I were talking as well, we, our, our kids were still at a young enough age where you know we could move them before middle and high school started where we wanted to see more stable. And we loved being in Cincinnati, great friends. You know, A lot of my family actually was in Cincinnati as well. But there was something about Chicago where we had always, if we were going to move, it was always going to be Chicago. Um, you know, a lot of my wife's family is also in Chicago, but it's also just the energy of that world-class city um, that we just wanted to be closer to and a part of as well, if we were going to um, call anywhere other than Cincinnati home. And so my brief with Headhunters uh, was pretty simple. Healthcare Chicago. If there's something that comes up, maybe we can have a discussion about it. But outside of that, I re- wasn't really that, that interested. And I remember uh, you know, getting a call about a role where someone said, I, I believe this is, the, this is the role that we're looking for. And it was being the uh, area marketing director for the U.S. within uh, the diagnostics business uh, at Abbott up in Lake Forest, a little bit outside of Chicago. And as I started to do research about Abbott, and as I started to do research about uh, the diagnostics industry in specific, it just felt right. I, I had a level of energy and excitement and passion for learning that for me just felt different. And it just it was from the very beginning of that first conversation, um, you know, with uh, with the recruiter, you know, all the way through the interview process, where it was a fork in the road where I wasn't definitely not running from something, but was running to something. And, and it was a, a hard decision because we loved P&G so much uh, and still do, as I mentioned to this day, but was just something that felt right and was a fork that we were going to take together as a family uh, and, and one that uh, we still look back on as a very important point in our lives, in my life, obviously professionally, but obviously a huge one for us personally as well. That clarity that you had when you said you told recruiters, healthcare in Chicago. Um, I imagine the the recruiters found that quite helpful, right? <laughs> to be able to to more clearly place you. You know, one thing I wanted to ask you about before we dive into Abbott a little bit more in your current role is you actually led the revitalization of Pantene after a decade of decline. And I was wondering if there's anything from that experience that stands out to you that you were maybe able to take into healthcare? You know, any lessons from that or learnings that have now been applicable to your work at Abbott? For me, it was about asking the right questions. And I will never forget going up to Target with one of our, with uh, our sales team. And as, as you can imagine, with some of the declines in the business that you know, one of our largest customers wasn't particularly happy uh, about the performance, not only of the brand, but of the category because of that. And I asked, the, uh, we were up there and, and we were there to, you know, apologize and to talk about how we could, you know, improve, et cetera. But, but I asked the buyer a question that he uh, wasn't expecting me to ask. And it was, what did you see as successful innovation this past year uh, within your category and why? 
And he paused and he actually left the office and went and came back uh, you know, to the room and he said, thank you. Thank you for asking me that question. And he put down a uh, bottle of Tresemme. And it was a bottle of Tresemme that had a, a pump on it. And, he, and I'm not going to go into the details of all the strategy side of it, but essentially he defined what was essentially a larger bottle with a pump at a strategic price point for Target as the biggest innovation that the entire hair care category brought because it met his strategic needs. And when I think about that versus what was the massive amount of R&D innovation that we had been putting into formulating, reformulating all of our products by the specific type of of hair that people had. And quite frankly, what was a really brilliant strategy, you know, from, from that standpoint, just a very challenging one to execute in market. I just realized that innovation really is in the eyes of the beholder. And what was quite frankly, a a simple innovation was something that because it was built on a strategy and built on asking the right questions uh, to some of our key stakeholders really changed my perception as to how to really engage both with internal and external stakeholders. That's um, such a great example. I think you're right. Sometimes we tend to over-intellectualize what we think uh, the market wants, and we get in our heads a little bit, and sometimes the simplest answers are the best ones. How has that played out, um, especially you know during the pandemic? Abbott's been at the forefront of a lot of this work, and even now, I recently read an article about the work that Abbott's doing on monkeypox and just trying to get ahead of a future pandemic. How has that idea of simple innovation played out in the work you're doing now? It's interesting. If I think about the work that we're doing, it all stems from not only asking the right questions, but challenging ourselves to rethink the model of healthcare delivery. And particularly as, as you know, in the diagnostic space that I'm in today, so much of what we focus on as a, as a lab industry in the past has been about getting results out in a timely fashion. But one of the big questions that we're now asking ourselves is how to actually think about the patient engagement behind that, not just the physician engagement, because we tend to be in much more of a B2B space in a lot of the work that we do. But I think what a lot of what COVID has taught us is the relevance, not only the diagnostics can have in healthcare, but the relevance it can have within patient engagement as we go forward. And the simplest things of having at-home rapid tests in dealing with the, the pandemic today is we believe just the starting point of reimagining healthcare and quite frankly, reimagining the relationship that people have with the healthcare ecosystem as we go forward to get to preventative healthcare, to get to the idea of not just having a healthcare system focused on sick care, but of one that actually creates health. We see diagnostics playing a central and foundational role to enabling that. And again, it all starts with asking the right question and asking different questions and challenging ourselves to to rethink the status quo. And Vai, how has that affected how you've been able to build your teams? Because I know that was a core thing you mentioned, right, as a child, the idea of team building, and then in your mentorship at P&G, 
And now you're in this environment where you've got more B2B. And you mentioned also now you guys are looking at the the B2C and the patient engagement. But I imagine that's also had an effect on how you think about your teams and build your teams. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. It's actually the word team, I think, actually has to expand well beyond even the four walls within Abbott. And I think for me, that's been actually one of the biggest changes since I've been here that we've begun to realize is that we need actually quite a bit of external collaboration to bring what we need to do in healthcare to life. In the past, we may have seen uh, our, our team's focusing much more internally about what are the key performance indicators that are going to make ourselves successful. We've now had to flip that 180 degrees to say, we need to look at what is the success for our customers and how do we make them successful? And re- redefining what we even mean by what a customer's um, you know, health is and what a, you know, a good customer's performance is. And so when we think about a health system that we're partnering with or a ministry of health, they have very, very different problems now that they're trying to solve for in the future for healthcare. And we've now had to then juxtapose that to say, well, what are the skill sets we need to have internally to ensure that we're enabling those things to happen as well? And so it really is a interesting dynamic where we've in the past maybe had a bit more transactional, contractual relationships with our customers, where we're now having much more strategic and collaborative ones. And for that to happen, our teams have had to really rethink the types of skill sets that we have as marketers, uh, the types of skill sets that we have as R&D innovators as we go forward and a lot more even co-collaboration and co-creation. When in the past, we maybe would have had a bit more of an insular uh, view to that um, approach. Excellent. And there's so much more uh, that we could jump into with teams there and the approach of going beyond your four walls, but also want to make sure that we get to some of our fun questions, things that our listeners might not yet know about you. Um, If you could be a character in a movie, what would that character be? Or what's one that you might really relate to in terms of a story or a, a journey trajectory? I think I'd go with Indiana Jones. That's the first one that pops uh, to mind, just because again, it, it was I, I, I love history. Uh, I, I love the the sense of adventure that is associated with that as well. And then, for sure, someone who had to connect dots and go through a pretty windy road through his experiences. Fantastic. And then, I know you've traveled a lot. What is one new place you want to go to? Definitely an African safari. Oh wow. I have done that, and I can definitely say it is worth worth the incredibly long flight <laughs> and travel. Um, but make sure that you have a lot of space, have a lot of gigabytes ready on your camera <laughs> for the, for all the pictures. If you could have coffee with anyone, who would that be? I'll go with Barack Obama for coffee. Would love to really understand where he thinks things have been, uh, where they are today, and, and where we could go uh, as society going forward as well. I would love to listen in on that one. And final question, Vahe, what is one final piece of advice or maybe even a challenge you'd give to the next generation? Be curious. For me, curiosity is at the foundation of the success uh, that I've had both personally and professionally. And I would say that even with the people that I've seen around me as well, that has been the common thread behind people. Uh, When you're curious, I believe that you assume positive intent more uh, with understanding where people are coming from. It helps you to ask the right questions. 
Uh, and importantly, again, 20 years in, I still feel that I need to be a student of marketing, a student of leadership, a student of business, and absolutely a student of healthcare. Uh, being in an industry that is completely changing you know, every single day, that could overwhelm a lot of people. But for me, it inspires me. Uh, and I think it's because I take this thread of curiosity every single day um, to what I'm doing. Well, Vahe, thank you so much for sharing part of your journey and learnings with us. It's been such a pleasure to have you on our Learnings with Leaders podcast today. Thank you so much. Really appreciate the time. Humbled and honored to be a part of it and to listen to the learn from the rest of the alumni podcast as well. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Please subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. For show notes about this episode, links to things mentioned, or requests for sponsorship, visit pgalums.com slash podcast or email pgalumpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Learnings from Leaders is a production of the PNG Alumni Network, a global nonprofit founded by former PNGers committed to community, enrichment, and philanthropy. With more than 45,000 registered members worldwide, the network connects alums through global conferences, local chapters, industry events, and online content. Our nonprofit foundation supports economic empowerment in communities around the world. To find out more, visit pgalums.com. That's it for this week. I've been Ida Abdelkani. And I'm still Raman Segel. Thanks for joining Learnings from Leaders, the PNG Alumni Podcast. We'll see you next time.